He's the coolest kid in the world. At least I think so. How are you doing today, buddy? Good. Yeah? Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, my favorite foods are pizza, tacos, ravioli, spaghetti, and lasagna. Wow. My favorite toys are Legos. Yeah? And I love the game Lego Star Wars on the Wii. Yeah, it's true. What's your favorite movie? Lego movie? The Lego movie? What's your favorite line in that? President Business. <laughs> That's your favorite character. What's, what's your favorite, like, line from the movie? You know, favorite thing that one of the characters says? Uh, I don't know. I'm throwing him for a loop. He quotes <laughs> movies all the time. It's awesome. I'm messing him up here. So, well, hey, the reason I wanted to have Braden up here is just uh, I got some questions for him. It's going to help us get into a little bit of what we're talking about today. You know, Scripture tells us that, that we're to watch children and to learn from children how we're supposed to follow Jesus, right? And uh, so, Braden, uh, you told us a little bit about yourself, but um, tell us, uh, today, Braden wanted to be in service today. He's been asking for a long time. I want to be in here um, in the main auditorium. He loves being in there. He does a great job in there, but he's like, I just want to be in the big service. So, Braden, why did you want to be in here today? Because I wanted to hear my dad preach to see what it's like for a pastor to preach. And why is that? Because I think you're awesome at it. <laughs> <laughs> Not the answer I was looking for, but that's awesome. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. So you want to be a preacher one day, right? right? Right. All right. So you're sitting there. You want to see how to do it, right? Or maybe, probably better, you want to see how to not do it, right? So that you can figure out, no, never mind, over your head. All right, so <laughs> he said, yeah. All right, so what's your favorite thing about church, Brayden? My favorite thing about church is worship. Favorite thing about church is worship, and why is that? Because we get to praise Jesus. Yeah, that's good stuff. And you love praising Jesus, don't you? Yes. Yeah, it's awesome, man. He was just singing his little heart out up here on the front. It was so cute. At one point, I thought he was saying, Dad. And so I was just like, because I just kept hearing his voice, right? And I just looked over, and I was just like, what's up, buddy? And he's just like, nothing. I'm just singing. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so good. So, all right. So here's one of the things. Every day, so when Braden and Rylan are getting ready for school, um, we just, I just believe in trying to create memories at every moment and doing things intentionally and, and, and different things like that. And I think it's important to start each day just with setting your mind on something. So there's little disciplines that I have for myself, things that I ask myself, and, and there's things that I ask the kids each day and uh, that we kind of go through each day. And so uh, one of the first things I'm gonna, I always ask the kids is, is hey, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? Honor God, respect our teacher, make good friends and learn. Boom. That's what I'm talking about, right? So they just know that, right? That's what they're going to do today, right? And uh, so that's their goal when they go to school is they want to honor God, right? And so we talk about how do you honor God? Well, by respecting our teachers, right? By making good friends and choosing to learn. That's how I'm going to honor God today. That's my job. That's my role. If I give myself to those things, it's going to make a huge difference, right? One of the other things I always ask the kids is that I always just go through this. And so this little routine, you get to be a little part of it today. But uh, so Braden, I'll ask you the same questions I ask you every day. All right, you ready for this? All right. What is today? Today is temporary. All right. What about tomorrow? Tomorrow is not promised. All right. So make the most of every moment you're given today, right? Right. All right. Then we pray, and then we go, and we live large for Jesus every single day, right? That's what we do, right? Any other final words you have for us today before we go? Um, I'm crazy. Okay. All right. Go grab a seat before you start getting weird. All right. Well, let's give it up for Brayden. Love that kid. So... Every day we go through and we talk about different stuff, but I always ask them those questions. I just go through and I say, hey, so, so kids, you know, what is today? And they say, today is temporary, right? And then I ask them, so what about tomorrow? Tomorrow's not promised. And then I just challenge them. Give yourself to every moment you have. Make the most of those moments, no matter what that moment is, right? So, I mean, we talk about it, right? If, if you're in math class and that moment is a moment to learn about how to do long division, you give yourself to it, right? As it's worship to God, you give yourself to it. As painful as it is to learn the multiplication table, you can glorify God in giving yourself to that moment, right? If you're in the cafeteria, give yourself to eating your food, right? Enjoy that peanut 
peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Enjoy those fried cheese sticks that the school makes that I think are disgusting, but Brayden loves for whatever reason, right? Do it, right? If you're on the playground, give yourself to that moment. Play as hard as you possibly can. Beat everybody in kickball, right? If you make somebody cry, it's okay in the moment. Just make sure you end it well, right? And so just be and give yourself to that moment and and enjoy that day and enjoy what God's given you in that moment and do it for God's glory. If we could live every single day that way, if we could be committed to giving ourselves to following Christ every single day in that way, man, life would be so different for you. Life would be different for me. Life would be different for the church. Life would be different for our communities. The world would literally be different. When we look at time and we look at, at, at history, we see people that lived that way, that they gave themselves to the moment that they were in with a mindset that was not focused on that moment. See, the part of it is, is that I could tell the kids just, hey, go and just live every moment and just do it, you know, and don't think about anything else. But, but there's a qualifier to that. The qualifier is this, is that today is temporary, right? Tomorrow is not promised. And so there's a sense that there is something that is going on that is way bigger than even just that moment. That if you give yourself to that moment, if you give yourself completely to it, it's not just so that you can say, great, I accomplished something or I did something big in a moment, but because you know that if you give yourself to that moment, that at some point in the future, you're going to be able to make a bigger impact in the life that you're living. See, I want to teach my kids, I want to I inspire my kids to dream big, that they understand that in this moment they have in life, that it is temporary. That tomorrow, who knows what's going to happen and what tomorrow is going to look like. It may be there or it may not be there. So give everything you've got to Jesus right now. Because if you do that, then you begin to understand the promise and the reality of who Jesus is. That we have a hope that carries us beyond just the things that we see. And it takes us into what he has destined for us and dreamed for us. And so this is what we're talking about is hope. This is what we're looking at is hope. And so we're going to today um, go ahead and just jump in it. And as we do that, we're going to kind of recap slightly. If you are today the first time jumping in this sermon series or you've missed a bunch of them, you can go back through and listen to the podcast. Pastor Fred and I both have been speaking at both campuses on hope. Uh, there's many different things on that. We are really excited about this, um, this sermon series and believe that there's just a lot that, that God is speaking to us as a church as he's preparing us to have a future hope, just not for, um, just for our own individual lives, but for us as a church as well, what he's called us to do and how he's called us to live. And so we're going to jump into it today by reading Romans chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up there to Romans chapter 8. One theologian wrote that this is the most important and most powerful chapter in the entire Bible. I would almost agree with them. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. But Romans chapter 8, verse 18, if you're there, say, I got it. All right. Even if you just said that to make me feel better, thank you. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Yet we suffer now... Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from the death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Verse 25, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. God, we just pray in the next few moments that as we jump into your word, God, that you will speak. God, that you will speak with clarity. God, that you will enable me. God, to take all that I believe you've placed in my heart and to speak it with truth and the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may this moment not just be a moment that happened, but may this be a moment that we encounter you, your living word, 
and your powerful spirit. God, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we go through and we read this, we look at some different uh, things here. And I've got four things that I believe that, that hope does for us as followers of Christ. Now, real quick, just as a recap, one of the things that we've been talking about throughout this sermon series is, is the reality of hope being different than what we understand it often to be. We often understand hope to be or use the word hope in a, in a sense of this emotional uh, wish, this emotional just desire. See, we go through and just, I hope that the Dolphins are going to win today, right? I hope, which is often a big wish, right? And so, um, hey, but we're doing better than the Redskins. So anyway, so, um, so you know, he says, I hope that, you know, the Starbucks up here is not going to take 22 minutes to make my coffee, right? Those moments like that, that we just, we use the word hope just generously in the sense of, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But when we look at Scripture, Scripture talks about a totally different reality of hope, that, that as followers of Christ, that hope for us is this virtue. It's this confident expectation that what we want to have happen, that what we see promised, it will in fact happen. That there's a sense that it's guaranteed, that it's going to happen. There's a sense that we believe this thing so true and we believe this thing so real that, that when we say hope, it's, a, it's as if we're saying that's going to happen. Even though I don't see it now, even though I don't see the possibility, I know that it's going to happen. My hope is not a wish. My hope is a certainty. As we walk through this in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, I think is one of the verses that gives the clearest definition of hope as a virtue, is that, that it talks about, in verse 18 in, of Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about hope giving us this sure confidence. And, and that anchor that, it, that, that gives us that is Jesus himself. See, what Jesus did on the cross, he gave us a reason to hope. He gave us the ability to truly hope. Because not only does Jesus keep us in our storms, not only does Jesus protect us and provide for us in the most difficult of situations, but Jesus also promises us a future that we know to be sure and to be certain, that we can have a confidence in. And that hope that is Jesus keeps us in the now moments, but it moves us forward to the future moments that he has for us. That's the hope of Jesus. And that's the hope, and that's the, that's the power in which we believe that we can live. And so it, what, is, what does hope do for us? And I believe this scripture gives us a little bit of direction to, as we kind of look through it. Some four things that hope does for us. And, and, and as I've been going through this, these have been things that have been challenging to me. So I'm going to share some personal stories and, and some realities that are just even present in my life. But the first one as I read this is in verse 18, is I believe that hope changes our perspective. Hope changes our perspective. In verse 18, it says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. One of the greatest truths of God's kingdom that we should believe as Christians, that we should hold on to as Christians, that truly is our hope, is that because of Christ, we can experience his kingdom now. That we know that now in this moment that God is there to protect us. He's there to provide for us. He's there to shelter us. He's there to encourage us. He's there to lift us up. He's there to walk alongside us in the most difficult of times. He's there to give us opportunity that we couldn't give ourselves. He is our Father. He gives us good gifts. He, he loves us generously. He disciplines us. He helps us to become better. All of those things are now. But the greatest thing about his kingdom is, is that it's not just now, but it's not yet. It's to happen. It's to be. That there, everything as good as it possibly can be. Man, I'm telling you, following Jesus, man, in the years that I've been following Jesus, since I was 19 years old, the best that I've experienced in this life is because of my life in Christ. As good as any moment was is awesome because I had some amazing moments when I wasn't a follower of Christ, right? I had some amazing moments, some funny moments, some really, really funny moments, right? That still bring joy to my face when I think about them, right? So there's good that can happen, but as great as those moments were, it compares nothing to the goodness that I've experienced in God's presence and in relationship with him. As good as those are, as wonderful as it was, as, as amazing, as, as good as it was, and as continually 
getting better and better. The moment when Braden was born and I first looked at him and saw him as my son and the dreams that were in my heart for his life, as big as they were and as good as they were because I knew that God had his hand on him and that I was giving him to God and that I was just gonna steward his little life to live for God as good as that moment was. Man, there's so much more that can be had in God and his future kingdom. And my hope, he can keep me now, but my hope is, as good as it is now, it's gonna be better. As bad as it can be right now, it's temporary, right? That's the reality, that's the hope that keeps us. And so hope, it changes our perspective. I mean, Paul, who's writing this right now, I mean, this is just fantastic when you look at this, is Paul, when you really stop and think about the life that Paul lived, right? Paul, before he gave his life to Christ, before he became a devoted follower of Christ, right? Paul really was living it up. I mean, Paul was one of the leaders of the Jewish church. He was living a good life, right? I mean, he had tons of people following him. He was a younger guy, and he had a lot of power and a lot of, like, clout. I mean, Paul was doing pretty good for himself, right? He went to the best schools. He probably had the best clothes, probably lived in a good home, probably ate the best foods, right? That's the life that Paul had. He was living it up, right? He was doing good. Then he gets saved, and he begins, he's beaten, he's thrown in prison, he's shipwrecked, he's sick, right? He's cursed at, he's all, like, that's Paul, that's his life, and yet Paul is always singing of the goodness of God. Paul's always going through, and he's just saying crazy things like that. Yet, what we suffer now, I suffer now, but yet what I suffer now, it's nothing compared to what he has for me. And hope changes our perspective. Hope also encourages our dreams. Hope encourages our dreams. Here in verse 20, It says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from the death and decay. Now, these two verses right here, there's so stinking much that we can take time to unpack on that I don't have time to do today. But what we can look at is is the reality of this is, is that hope in these things, it encourages our dreams. The reality is this, is that oftentimes in life, We go through and we look at what we have, we look at what we've been given, the good, the bad, right? Our talents, all of those things. Like we look at those things and we look at them and we take them and we say, this is what I have, right? And we often use that, our possessions, our feelings, our securities, our identity, our sense of self-value, self-worth. We take all of those things and we let those become what enables us to dream for what can be. That's our tendency. That's, that's what we do, right? That's the reality of what we do. If you go through and you look here, though, and you look at this verse, in verse 20, it says, Against us will all creation was subjected to God's curse. Older translations and some other translations say this, it was subjected to vanity. Really what it's talking about, when you get into this verse, the reality of this verse is talking about is that when we take things that are temporary and we make them our source, we make them our foundation to be able to hope. See, if you go through all the creation, see, in the beginning of time, when, when God created the heavens and the earth and God spoke things, he said, it is good. It is good, and it was done, and God was pleased with it. But see, there was a moment that in which God knew that if it was just left as it was and he had man in there, man, if was never given the opportunity to choose, was never given opportunity to say yes to something and no to something else, as Pastor, Paul, or Pastor Joe talked about at the marriage conference, which is way better than I can talk about it in this moment. But if he never gives you the power to say yes to something and no to something else, to choose God in a moment that the depth of our understanding of God's love would be limited. So God, in that moment, he gave man an opportunity to choose, to say yes to God or to say yes to his own flesh, right? And in either way, whatever we say yes to, it's saying no to something else. And so in this moment, as we look at this, what this, this verse is talking about here is that in verse 20, what it's talking about all creation was subjected to is to take God's will, to take his dream for us, to take his plans, his purpose for us, and elevate those things in our life to encourage ourselves in who God is and how he sees us, right? Or to choose the things that we want for ourselves, to choose the things that we can control. And those things are temporary, as temporary as life is. 
This is why Solomon and Ecclesiastes, he can talk about that, you know what, all that we can do, as good as it possibly can be, it's just vain. It's just vain. See, in our lives, we can get so caught up in different things, and we can say, you know what, okay, I've got I've to raise my kids well. And so we get our definition of what that looks like to raise our kids well. And so we start attaching, okay, this is what we got to do, this is what we got to do, and we create our task list. We create however you organize your life, or maybe it's just in your mind. You, you create these expectations of what you have to do to be a good parent. And so you start doing that, or maybe it's an employee, or, or, or you go through, this is the person I want to be. So you start attaching hobbies and, and desires and dreams and education and ambition. You start attaching all those things to it, and you start creating this life. And you say, this is, this is who I am. This is what I dream to be. And if we get focused on those things that are temporary, it's, it's vain in purpose. But God, he wants us to look and to dream bigger than just what's here in this moment. God wants us to understand that we are living this eternal life that God purposed and desired for each one of us, that it's not just to be a second that we're here and gone, but that we're to live this life that we're here now in as big as we can for God, and that we will continue to live it even bigger for him once we're gone from this place. There's a sense, there's this reality that there is so much more here. So what God is asking us and what we are as followers of Christ to do, if our hope is Christ, if he's the anchor to our soul, then when we truly understand hope, that we have this confidence that this life is not it. The purpose is that we have every single day. It's not all there is, that there's so much more that he has for us in this life and even beyond that. There's a sense of purpose in us. There's a sense of certainty and confidence that when we hold on to it, we can dream bigger than we've ever been able to dream. So here, here's one way I can just look at it. Let's get a little practical. So I've just recently, I should say just recently, it's been the, um, what I thought was gonna be like a one month project that's turned into what an eight month project, um, is building our dining room table, all right? And so um, I, I was like, you know, when we moved here from Missouri, um, a lot of things that we had were things that we had originally got in, you know, when we got married. And so that was through the collection of things that like a goodwill, right? Um, at the goodwill of people just giving us stuff, right? So uh, other families and other churches that we were at just saying, hey, we've had this for 20 years. You're getting married. We should give it to you, right? And so this was our first bed. We want you to have it as your first bed, which is a little weird, but whatever. And so, you know, it's, you know so we've got this collection of all this different stuff or it's things that were given to us as, as gifts, you know, um, at our wedding and things that we, we actually made a couple of purchases. And so the only thing that we've still have really since then is our couches, which they're amazing, and we're holding on to those things as long as we possibly can. But we had a table, right, that we bought. We actually invested in this table, and we spent money on this table, and it was one of our first big purchases as a couple, and we weren't even married yet. We had this awesome idea. Uh, we had a small little condo that we had purchased. It was 850 square foot, right, was this condo, and uh, the dining room was really small, so we, we had this idea that on the wall right here, if we took a table and, like, it was like big and we cut it in half and we made this like bar thing on the wall it'd be super cool right and looking and we'd have a place to sit and eat and all that stuff but it wouldn't take up all this extra space and it's like bar in your house who has it right it was really cool so we were all excited about it and uh, it looked awesome right we just never used it because like i mean who wants to sit side to side next to somebody in your own house right and not be able to look at it. people come over for dinner hey do you want to sit here yeah we don't either let's go sit on our couch and eat right that's so it just sat there and it looked pretty right and so but to do that when i bought this table and underneath it was a table that expanded out and so i had to go and cut parts off and do all these things and really i made a great functional table not very functional anymore, right? And so I had to find some way to connect it, and then um, we, we've had it, and it just started showing wear and tear, and as much as we invested it, it just wasn't a good quality table. It was scratching up, you know, and, and so that and everything else, entertainment center from Walmart, all that stuff, you know, it's just, we're like, we're just gonna get rid of everything. And I'm gonna build everything else, right? So that we can just have this nice quality stuff. So I built my entertainment center, right? Which took about four months, right? <laughs> and then I'm just now finishing up the dining room table. Here's one of the things we lived in our house for four months, something like that, without a dining room table at all, right? Maybe even six months, right? Um, without, it, without anything in our house. And so there was no space that was designated as like this catch-all space. But now I've noticed that this table, which is, it's a decent sized table, it's our catch-all space, 
right? Now that we have a table there, it, we, we put anything and everything there. Papers, Michelle's smiling, right? Because she's like, yeah, yeah, we do. Papers, cups, the kids' stuff, right? I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff. My tools, they just get piled up there, which Michelle really likes that, right? All of those things just get piled up. Backpacks, they get thrown on there. Shoes have been thrown on there. Like, what in the world happens? You just put a table in a room, and all of a sudden, things that normally are in their place just all of a sudden gets dumped here, right? It's the same thing in our lives, right? That we go through and we look at our lives and we just begin to accumulate stuff and we begin just to take stuff and we put it in a place that it doesn't really function well, right? It works there, it goes there, we can live with it, we can live around it, but yet at the same time, it's not fulfilling its purpose. See, we built a big table because we wanted that table to be a place where we could have people come over, eat dinner at, we can hang out, do all kinds of stuff, but here's the problem is we can't fulfill that purpose if there's tons of tools and shoes stacked up on it, right? If I said, hey, come over for dinner, and you walked in and you saw my kids' shoes on a table, which I have no clue why they were there, but my kids' shoes on the table, you'd be like, can we go eat on the couch, <laughs> right? Or you're like, I don't even know if I wanna eat here, right? That's the reality. If we have something that has a purpose, but we begin just to stack up stuff on top of it, its purpose is devalued. You following me? It's the same thing in our life is that we go through, there are things that are good. So hobbies, interests, jobs, where we live, family things that we've got to do, things for our kids. Brains just started playing basketball. It's an extra stress on our life. But we have to make sure that it has a, a, a place in our family that doesn't fracture our purpose, but yet it helps us to accomplish our purpose. See, what happens is, is in life, we end up just taking things and we just put them in its place. We put them in a place and we start accumulating stuff and we find some sense of purpose in accumulating things. But those things no longer in themselves have a purpose and it's devaluing our original purpose. See, if we can go through and we can go through life and say, okay, this is something that I want to do. It's just a hobby. I just want to do this. That is good and it has value. It's important to have things in your life that you just want to give yourself to that bring enjoyment to your life. But it's got to have its right purpose and its right place. You don't want it to get accumulated somewhere that can devalue your original purpose, God's intended purpose for your life. You take those things and you put them in the right place. And when you put them in the right place and everything where it's supposed to be and your house is clean and it's organized and it smells great and it looks good, that at any moment you can be prepared to fulfill your purpose. Man, and when you're in that place, you can dream so much bigger. Because no longer is it just saying, hey, we want people to come over, maybe in the future, but we can say, I'm ready right now for people to come over. Man, somebody can just knock on the door and I can say, come on in, let's go, let's eat. I've got something ready for you. We don't have anything ready, let's go ahead and make something because we can be prepared, we can dream to say, I'm ready to fulfill my purpose because I'm not allowing things to accumulate. I'm not allowing myself to get focused on temporary, vain things. I'm allowing myself to focus on the things that God has for me. And those things are enabling me to dream bigger than I could ever dream before. So hope changes our perspective. It encourages our dreams. And hope raises our expectations. Hope raises our expectations. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, many of us know this verse well, but it says, Faith is the confidence that we hope for. Faith, I'm going to read that again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, that's an important word, what. All right, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. So here's the reality is, is that why are we able to hope as believers in Christ? Because we have faith in Christ. This faith, when you look at faith, um, what does faith really mean? What is, what, is, what is faith really about? There's a lot of different people out there. There's so many quotes about faith and all this different stuff. Just read one last night. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking a step on the first step even though you don't see the staircase, right? That was a good quote. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. Faith, faith is an understanding. It's a certain, there's this sense of, there is that, that what I believe, it's not just a hope. It's not just, it's not hope in the emotional sense. It's not just a wish. It's not this, uh, man, it would be great if. Faith is something that gives confidence 
and really convinces me that it is reality. Faith moves me from this place of just saying, I would like for that to be true, but faith moves me into a place that says, that is true, right? How many of you guys like to travel? How many of you guys like to travel, all right? How many of you have ever been to New Zealand? All right, how many of you believe that New Zealand exists? All right, why do you believe New Zealand exists? Come on, we allow participation here sometimes, all right? All right, come on. Why do you believe New Zealand exists? It's on a map? You heard about it? You've seen pictures? All right. No people that went there? All right. That's good. All right. I've been to New Zealand, right? It's a beautiful country. I would have loved to live there. They don't have snakes or spiders. It's awesome. The trade-off is, is the entire country is a volcano that it could erupt at any moment. So pick or choose. But here's the reality. <laughs> here's the reality. You're like, Virginia sounds good. All right. We have faith that New Zealand exists, right? Because of all of these different reasons, right? At any moment, if somebody said, hey, here's $10,000, I want you to go to New Zealand, would you even think about hesitating to do that? Right? No, why? Because you have faith, you have this assurance, you have this understanding of reality that when you get on a plane, you're actually gonna land on another piece of land, right? You've never been there, you've never seen it, but you have the sense of reality that it exists, right? You have the sense that it is there. Now here we go, look at verse 11, uh, or verse one in Hebrews chapter 11 again. It says, faith is the confidence. The word that's used there in other translations is faith, is the substance. Now that word substance is, is the, the real practical meaning of that word is confidence, all right? It is used five or four times in the New Testament, three times it's used to translate the word confidence, one time it's used to translate the word person. But it's a sense of confidence. Really, when you go through and you look at what the word properly means, it means ground, basis, foundation, and support. It could also mean reality, substance, and existence. So when you look at this, faith is what gives reality or substance to things hoped for. Faith is what gives reality or substance to things hoped for. See, we hope, right, in Jesus. But we're able to hope in Jesus not because we believe that he's out there and we wish that he's out there and we wish that one day maybe we'll get to heaven, right? But we're able to hope because we have a faith. We have a confidence. We have this basis. We have this ground, this foundation that says reality is different for me as a follower of Christ. Eternity is not a question. What is going to happen, what will take place in the future, that's not a question. What is going to happen is, is that Jesus, in some way, whether I die or whether he comes back before I die, is going to say, be in the presence of the Father. Because I am his because of what he did on the cross. That is my future. Right? That is my future. And because of that, because I'm able to have that hope, then I'm able to now have a different perspective on my situations and circumstances. Don't combine those words. It's a little awkward for everybody involved. Right? I'm able to dream bigger than I've ever dreamed before. Right? And it raises my expectations of the moments that I have now. See, when I'm going out and I'm living this life and I'm doing what God's called me to do, my expectations aren't just, hey, I just want to live another day and go to bed again, right? My expectation is, is that I get to encounter in some way the living God. I, in some way today, I get to live out his dreams, his purposes, and his desires for me. That the God that created all of the crazy, amazing things that we're still discovering in this world, thousands of years after this earth has been created, we're still discovering new species of animals every single day. That God, that creative, that powerful, that wonderful God has a dream for me today. My expectation for today is to not just make it through. My expectation for today is to live fully for God. And I'm able to do that because I know I have faith. I have this reality that Jesus is real and the reality that he has for me, the promise that he has for me, the eternity that he has for me is real. 
And because that is true, because that is secure, because it is locked in place, I am able to hope. I am able to walk out with a confident expectation that I can do what God's called me to do. I can experience what he's called me to experience. That when I'm suffering, I can say, you know what? It doesn't matter. The future is that much brighter. That when I'm going through difficult situations right now, that situation is not something I pile up on the table. That situation is something I take and I put it in its right place. Then I say that is where it's supposed to be. And that situation, as bad as it is, as horrible as it could be, that situation is something that could show me the faithfulness of God, show me the provision of God. It could show me the purpose of God that now one day I'll be able to use for him to help somebody that's in the same exact situation. It's no longer something that's on the table that is cluttering and building up and devaluing my purpose, but now it is something that elevates God's purposes in my life. See, when we have hope, our perspective changes on everything. When our perspective changes, we're able to dream, and when we're dreaming, our expectations are higher. This is the reality of the way that God wants us to live, is that we have faith in Jesus, because we have faith in him, then we hope for what we're doing to have an impact, an eternal impact. When we come together as a church, it's not just so that we can say, okay, gotta get in the seat, that was a rough week, it was really bad, but I made it here, it's another Sunday. I need a little bit of Jesus so I can go and make another week, right? I got to make it happen again. Hopefully it's a little bit better, right? Maybe something good will happen if I give Jesus a little bit of time this morning. That's not the purpose of coming together. That's not God's dream and intent of us coming together as a church. God's dream and intent of us coming together as a church is so that we come and we say, look how faithful God is. Man, do you know what? My car broke down this week, and it's all jacked up, and I don't know what to do. This really happened about a month ago, right? I haven't even told you guys the story. Some of you know it. Some of you don't. My car broke down, my 1981 Honda Accord, which I wanted to drive until Brayden had to drive it, and then I was going to hope that it would break down. But <laughs> that, that, that car, it was all, it's still, it's awesome. It's broken down, and I had people offering me money. I had a guy last night texting me, hey, I'll give you guns. I'll give you ammo. I'll give you a ping pong table. I'll give you a candy machine, and I'll give you... Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, a pinball machine, right? He's like, he's just like, anything else? Come on, tell me something else you need, right? It's so funny. I was like, dude, I don't need any of that stuff, but this is really awesome, right? So that car, it broke down, right? I'm like, what am I going to do? I, we just made it work with one car and just said, you know what? Let God figure it out, right? He gave us that car. He's going to give us something else, right? Wouldn't you know that God was already working something out with Pastor Fred and a friend of his. We were given another car, right? We were given a 2001 Saab convertible. So now, both Pastor Fred and I are bald, bearded, and driving silver sobs, right? It's awesome. Like, man, I can go through and I can allow this situation to become something that I put on the table and now stare at, or I can look at the situation and say, well, could be worse. I got to drive a really cool car for nine months. God's going to work something else out, right? And it's not to live life just with this carefree, this like no sense of responsibility attitude, but it's to go through and have this sense of expectation. That's what faith and hope is, is have this expectation, this confident expectation that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, right? God is either faithful and true to his promises or he's not. And because I know who Jesus is and because my reality is absolutely shaped by the fact that Jesus is, Jesus was, and Jesus will always be, I know what my purpose in this life is. My purpose in this life is to live for him. And I want to dream as big as I can for him. I want to be as focused as I can for him. And I want to come into this place and say, listen, man, my car broke down, but God provided and you're sitting there and you're in your situation, you go, my car's broken down. Sweet, maybe car, God's gonna give me a car even better than his car. And I hope he does, right? Maybe he doesn't, but you can still sense in this moment that we all come together and we have a reason to hope. We're reminded and we're shown that God is faithful, that God is good, that he's loving, that he's caring, that he is our loving heavenly father, that he is present, that he is true, and that he has a purpose for us. When we come together as a church, is to remind each other of that, to be encouraged in that, so that we can go out on Monday and we can say, hey, my light's full on. Look at who Jesus is. Look at who God is and shine even brighter than it was. And it's so important for us to come together and to worship God, to be reminded of that, and then go out in the world together, not alone. We don't come together so then we can then go out by ourselves. We come in together so that we can go back out together, right? 
Because we can come in and because we look at God's faithfulness and we know the certainty of who God is and what is ours through Jesus Christ, we can now go into this world saying, you know what's possible? You know what we could do as a church? We look at circumstances and situations in other people's life in this community. We look at things that are happening in this community. And when a church lives this way, with this type of hope, knowing that they are to share this hope with the world, the church doesn't no longer to say we're having fun on Sunday, but the church says, guess what I heard is happening in this person's life? Hey, how can we bring hope into that situation? The church says, hey, you know what? I heard another church in the community, man, they had some bad stuff happen. How can we share the love of Jesus with them? How can we lift that church up? A church that understands hope can go through and their perspective changes on everything. How can we care for people in the church? See, going out and working at port, it no longer becomes, is that something that I have to add to the table? It becomes now an opportunity for us to say, I get to share the hope that I know the truth, the reality of Jesus. I get to share that with somebody else. It's not a to-do list. It's not a check. It's an opportunity. Man, that's the life that God wants us to live with that expectation that you are used every single day for the goodness and the glory of God. Does that mean that you every single day have to accomplish something big and every day you have to accomplish something massive that makes everybody go, oh my gosh, are you serious? No, right? Maybe the best thing you could do is go sit on the couch, watch a bunch of Netflix, take a nap, eat some Cheetos, right? Wake up in the morning and say, all right, I'm ready for Tuesday, right? That means you had to call in sick on Monday. Maybe you need to. Who knows, right? But we don't live every day that way, right? We live every day with this expectation that something is ready for us, that God has something present for us that's bigger than ourselves, that it's beyond us. And we say, God, I'm ready and I'm willing. Man, and when you're living that life, you're living the purpose that God wants you. There's fulfillment, there's joy, there's freedom. You're no longer caught up in the vanity that's present in all the things that this world has to offer. You're caught up in the freedom and the goodness of who God is. See, when we're in that situation, what happens is, is, is we go through and we begin to use things and abuse things for our own benefit. But when we look and our perspective's different, we hope and we function differently, look differently, we're open to what God has for us, then we use things for God's glory. We find freedom in their use where before we find bondage and entrapment. See, that's what God has for us when we look into hope. Fourthly, hope does this. Hope determines our actions. Verse 24 says, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. As believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, we need to make sure that we're not looking into the reality, the, the salvation that God's given us, that safe place that he's given us in his, in his presence and in his favor, that safe place. That for us is no longer just a place just to exist, but that, that is a place for us where that comfort, that place, it gives us hope rather than enjoyment. See, we want to step into a place that we say, okay, here's what God's given me. And this gives me a hope for what God has for me. It gives me a hope for what he wants me to do. It gives me the sense of purpose and destiny. It gives me a reason to take on today for his glory. Instead of saying, I'm just going to come and I'm going to take this, whatever this is, and I'm just going to enjoy it for myself. See, God's called us to be a church that doesn't take the Great Commission as a great suggestion, but actually takes it as something that we're supposed to do. That we step out in the world and say, you know what? I've been given this amazing, free, good life. The goodness of God. I have been given the very life of God. I'm able today to live this life full on for God's purposes. I'm able to live this day and fulfill the dream that God has me. God has a dream for me. I get to live that out today so that somebody else can know that as well. That's why we just got done talking for three weeks about that hope spurs on generosity. Because when you understand the gift that you've been given in Jesus, you can't help but want to give that to somebody else. If you've ever been given an amazing gift, you know the feeling. You want to tell everybody about it. 
It should be the same way in Jesus that we should step out and say, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. Now what happens is, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up here in a second, which means you can just decide whatever you want to come up. <laughs> I, felt you, I felt you just going, what, what do I do? I'm just going to leave it in your court. See, what happens is, is that when we take things and we start accumulating stuff, we get this place that we can feel like we're accomplishing something, but at some point, catastrophe is going to happen. And when we get in this place where we're accumulating stuff, oftentimes we, we're going to look at everybody else except for ourselves when that catastrophe strikes. This morning, when I was on my way to church, I left super early to get here, even earlier to do some things. I actually had the best of intentions to try to get the trailer emptied and the carpet laid before everybody got here. I get here to the YMCA and I'm looking for my keys to get into the building and I can't find them anywhere, right? And I'm like, what in the world, right? And so like, I look through the car, I can't find the car, I'm sitting there going like this. Guys, you know where I'm at, right? Every pocket, right? You're just padding, just hoping at some point you're like, oh, there they are, right? So I'm padding, I'm looking through the car, I'm looking through my backpack, I'm looking in the trunk, which I didn't even go in, right? Like I'm looking all over the place, I'm looking under the seats, I can't find my keys anywhere. And I'm like, what in the world? I remember when I was walking out this morning, I remember I had, uh, I was wearing different clothes, I had this shirt on a hanger, I had these shoes and, and, and socks and, and my jeans, I had them all folded up and then I had my backpack on and then I had another bag and then I had, uh, I had a comb and I had my special beard lotion, right? Because this thing's growing out and it's having fun right now. So yes, I put special lotion in my beard, it's awesome. And so I had that in my hand and I had my phone and then I had something else in my hand. And I remember walking out and I remember just going, gosh, I'm just trying to do too much right now, <laughs> right? And I'm just sitting there going like this. And I remember going and I remember looking at the keys that were hanging up on the wall. And I was like, okay, I got to add those, right? I don't remember what I did after that. Like I literally, in this moment when I'm trying to find, I don't remember. I don't remember what I did. And so I'm sitting there going, I bet I grabbed the keys and locked the door. And then I left them hanging in the lock because I actually do that quite often. <laughs> And so I was like, man. So I drive all the way back home, right? Drive all the way back home and the keys aren't hanging in the door. And I was like, you know what I did? I looked at the keys and said, I need those. And then just walked out the door, right? So I go and I'm like, well, that means the door's unlocked. And so I go and I grab the door handle and the door's locked. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> problem. Because <laughs> I don't know where the keys are, right? So I just stopped and I breathed and I was just like, okay, where are they at? So I went back, and this is no shock to Michelle. I pick up my backpack and my keys are right there. I had them right here at the YMCA the entire time. Never had to drive back home, they were right there. Listen, in life we get to this place where we can go through and we get this sense, man, okay, I've gotta do this, I've gotta do this, I've gotta do this. And, and oftentimes those things have the best of intentions. They have the best of purposes. But, but they just, there's so much stuff. And really what happens is, is we get to this place where we really are, we're managing just too much. And that stuff, instead of having its place and its purpose in our lives, that's used at the right times, at the right moments for its intent, it's just gathered up somewhere. And what happens is, is the reality is not only if we let that happen, but we feel like we're the ones that have to hold that table up. See, what happened for me, it wasn't so much that I was trying to carry too much. Because what happened was, is God allowed that moment to happen because he wanted to speak to me. He's like, you know what, in your own life, you're carrying a ton. You're doing a lot right now, but you're doing it all on your own. And you're allowing that stuff to clutter up. You're allowing that stuff to build up. And it's devouring the purpose I have for you. You're accomplishing some stuff but think of how much more you could accomplish. Yeah, you're, you're, you're seeing some successes and you're seeing some wins, but think of how much bigger those could be. You're, you're feeling some fractures and you're feeling some stress. I'm telling you, you don't have to. See, when we get in this place and we say, you know what, I know who Jesus is. I know the life that he has for me. I'm able to hope 
And this hope is not a wish of what could be. This hope is a confident assurance. It's an expectation that what he said is going to happen, is going to happen. That no matter what's taking place in this life, I can find joy, I can find peace, I can find love, I can find confidence. That I have a reason to hope, I have a reason to be true. Because he's true to me. And I need to take those things and I just say, God, they're yours. So this morning, here's what I want us to do, is I just feel like we just need this morning to take some time. We've got a few minutes. And as we sing the song, we're just gonna be open to what God has for us. Maybe you this morning, you just need God to speak to you and you just need to say, God, I just wanna give something to you or you just have a burden, you feel like you're carrying yourself and you need to give it to God. And so we're gonna have some people up here that are able to pray. God did this last night at, at Newport News and I just felt this morning that we just need to do it again. And so I'm gonna have a couple people over here and, and, and Michelle and I are gonna be over here and Pastor Fred will be available that if you need somebody to pray for you, we're here to pray for you. If you just need to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I've allowed to accumulate and I've lost a sense of purpose. I've lost a sense of, of ability to hope and I wanna find that again. I wanna find that assurance. I wanna find this, that peace in God and knowing what he's called me to do simple as saying, God, I need you, and I just need you to help me and guide me and show me what you want me to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's in verse 19. This is how we clear the table. It says, make it your aim in everything you do to please him. You have no no need in this life to accumulate stuff. You have no need to prove yourself to God. Your value, your worth, your identity is discovered in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. You were forgiven, past, present, and future of all of your sins. God sees you as his child. He values you as his child. And as his child in this life, you can find purpose, meaning, joy, fulfillment, all the things that God wants for you. But you can also know with a confident sense of hope and expectation that there's even more for you. And no matter what this world throws at you, you can smile, you can celebrate, you can walk with freedom, you can walk with joy. As long as you do everything you can to make everything you do for his glory and for his pleasure. So this morning, let's just take a few minutes. Maybe you just need to do it yourself. Maybe you need to be prayed for. Maybe you have a situation that's devastating. You say, God, I don't know what to do with it. Let's pray. Maybe you need healing. God can provide that for you this morning. God, is praying this moment right now as we give ourselves to you. God, as we come together and we pray in your power and in your presence, God, that you will do the supernatural. God, that miracles will take place. Prayers will be answered and our hearts will be turned to you, our Savior and our Lord.